Today's scripture reading is taken from Acts 9, verses 9, uh, 1 to 9. That's Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and did not eat or drink anything. So reads the word of God. Our speaker today is a man who is probably familiar to many of you. Some say that the Home Office have a filing cabinet just for him. <laughs> Some say he has a birthmark in the shape of a sniper rifle. We know him as Dan. Thank you so much for that introduction. Uh, I'm actually convinced that they have a filing cabinet for me. Just yesterday we received a little, pay, uh, the little uh, slip saying that they would like to deliver me something. Uh, and I'm actually scared, what is that going to be? And so if you see a man walking in with a package and then taking me out, you know it was a bad news, all right? Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Parallel Service. It is absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, I, uh, today I will be speaking on the topic which is uh, soul mashing like potato. Actually, truly the title was this. It was a breaking of a soul, okay? But then, then some of my teens decided to make this as a soul mashing. It sounds much better, doesn't it? I will uh, speak about uh, one man, and uh, if you don't know, we are in a series, What is in the Name? Um, what we are trying to discover is what different people have in their names, and what we can learn and take with us home. And also we would like to discover their journeys and how they met God in their life. Uh, uh, so today it is about soul mashing, and I will start, if we read a scripture reading in Acts 9. Um, and um, I just want to ask you something. Well, let me first tell a short story. It starts with a lady who, who decided to see her relatives, which obviously lived in England. Um, how much I was able to get from the story, it seems they were from Ireland. And it seems the lady who wanted to meet her relatives was American. She took a holiday and she came to Ireland to meet the family, which she never had a chance to meet. She went from one place to another place, meeting people which she didn't know, and at that one point in time, she, that somebody said, you have an uncle who is actually a shepherd. He has a small ranch, uh, he has a small farm uh, with sheep, and maybe you should go and visit him and meet him as well. And this is what happened. She, she went to this place, uh, she came, and then somebody says, well, you know, your uncle is actually in that barn there. So she walked into the barn, and how she walked into the barn, she saw uncle, you know, um, doing something, but then she saw a small lamp which had the leg broken. And, and we know some Americans, uh, I certainly know some British, who, who do, believe, do believe that animals sometimes have a little bit more rights than humans. So she saw this bro broken leg, and she says, she says, she says, what happened to this lamp? She didn't even say hello, or he's like, oh, I'm your cousin or something. She, she's just like, what happened to this lamp? And then this guy turned around and he said, he said, oh, oh, the little one. 
he said, well, he has a bad habit of running away. So I broke his leg. That is brutal enough for sir, but take. <laughs> you know, did, did you ever have people in your life you wanted to break their leg? <laughs> my brother certainly wanted to do that for about 12 years of my life. <laughs> there wasn't a day. There wasn't a day he said, Dan, I'm going to break your leg. Okay? And today we're going to speak about the person who, who Christians, Christians, you know, people who love Jesus, Christians wanted to pay somebody money to break his leg. And his name is Saul. And they truly hope that that person who breaks his leg will break both of them and make a bonus out of this. So today we will speak about a soul. Saul is um, one very interesting character and we will probably, let's say, start with chapter 7. In chapter 7, where do we find Saul? We find Saul standing and watching how they're executing one of Jesus' Jesus's followers. So, 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 so Saul is there watching how they're killing, killing one man. Stephan is dying, and while he is dying, you know, before he's dying, Stephan had still a chance to talk to Saul. Then in chapter 8, we find out how, how Saul begins revenge in the church. And I don't know reason why he begins revenge, because that means that you, somebody needs to do something bad to you in order for you to revenge it. But no, Saul decides to do the revenge. He's the guy who's like, I'm going to revenge. And he doesn't know why, but he just goes to do it. So he goes to the Avenger Church, he goes from house to house of the Christians, which were at that point in time not known as the Christians, but they were known as the Way, the followers of Jesus Christ. They were called, they were called the Way. So he went from house to house to find the followers of the Way and then put them in prison. And then in chapter 9 we find out how, how you know, he, he, you know, Saul is really still upset with everything, and he goes to the high priest and he asks for the letter, saying, can you please let me go out to Jerusalem uh, maybe to Damascus, and I can arrest some people for you. Saul is a child which we would hate in a school, because he belonged to this group of children who would always put the hand up and say, teacher, can we have a little bit more homework? <laughs> well, while you and me are thinking, like, what's wrong with you? And then because of that child, we would not need to read another book, okay? That was Saul. So I was like, no, no, I'm going to do my homework properly. I'm not going to just go catch all the Christians in Jerusalem, but I'm actually going to catch people outside of Jerusalem and then I'm going to bring them to Jerusalem, you know, prosecute them and then put them in prison and some of them killed. That is so. So Christians wanted to pay that his leg is broken. And then we see how he, he gets the letter out of the high priest and he decides to go to Damascus. Little did he know, little did he know that, that, that on this way the life, his life will be changed. Little did he know that he will go to Damascus and on that way something will happen. And it happens so dramatic that in the end of the sermon, if we ask the question, what is the name of Saul, we won't even find the name. Because Saul, in the end, even changes his name because his life was so dramatically changed. So what happens? We truly do not know how, where he was. We know he was on the way to Damascus. We approximately know it was about the midday. It was quite hot, of course. Um, and, and in the middle of all this, uh, uh, what happens? A big flash. And then Saul finds himself on the ground, and in the middle of this, he hears the voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you prosecuting me? I don't know, do you have a Bible? Do you have a Bible? If you have a Bible, grab a Bible, and let's just read this. It's, a, it's, a, it's another text, which is, it's Acts 26, 14. <coughs> so, it is in Acts 26, 14, he is, I think, telling, and, and, and we will read this. So, it is, it is the same book, uh, which means... Um, should be hard, should, should, shouldn't be hard to find. So Acts 26, 14, and the text reads this, and he says this, Saul, Saul, why are you prosecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against goats. 
Do you know that text? Did you read it? It's here, if you didn't find it. He says, so, so, why are you prosecuting me? It's hard for you to kick and get against the goats. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that word properly. Is that a goat? Very good. Do you know what is that? I didn't know as well. You know, taking that I, taking consideration that I'm a foreigner, I need to look in dictionary. I found out the goats is something very interesting. But, but in order for God to say somebody like this, you know, it's like, Dan, you know, now what are you doing? And stop kicking against goats. That means that my life and God's life, you know, we're simply really, really far off from each other. That means that Saul's life must be in such a mess that God said to him, like, so why are you prosecuting and stop? You know, it's hard for you, you know, to kick against goats. You see, goats are today known as prods. We know what is prod. Prod is this little stick which uh, uh, farmers have. And, and prods have batteries inside, uh, and, and two things, you know, two little spikes. So what happens is, like, when you're really annoyed with a sheep or, or, or with some, some animal, and you just want to make their life much more exciting, you just zap them, and the sheep or cow would move, okay? Okay, so, so, so and, and a prod, a prod, a prod is, is actually the old version before batteries came out, and, and, and it was in the shape of a stick, a long stick, which was sharpened on the end. So when you were really, really upset, you would just poke it, poke, and then sheep would move. All right. So God is telling, telling to Saul. He's like, he's like Saul. He's like, he's like, what's you know? He's like, why are you prosecuting? And he, he says in the end, it's hard for you to kick against goats. God is telling, he's telling to Saul. You know what? You just cross the line. You just, you just, you just, you just fighting something much bigger than you think you are. So let's, let's, let's find the answers on the question, why would God say something like this to him? So what was wrong with Saul's life? First of all, let us look at the background of Saul, okay? Uh, and, and I'm going to read some of the text for you. And I can tell you, probably the first lesson we can draw, and the reason why God said this to him is because Saul simply, Saul simply had a religion, but he didn't have any relationship with God. Saul was the guy who had a religion, but had no relation with God. And if we look at his background, we'll find in Acts 23.6, if you are close by, that's just three chapters before. So in Acts 23.6, we read, I will just give you a little time to find, that's 26.3, and it says, Paul began crying out in council, Brethren, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I am on a trial for the hope and the resurrection of the dead. Okay, so Saul is saying here, like, listen guys, he's like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Hebrew, I am actually the teacher of the Hebrews. So Saul is like trying to, to, to show his background, by but then we another, find another text, which is in Philippians 3. And in Philippians 3, we find this text, and it says, he says, Circumcised um, on the eighth day, on the uh, day of nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So Saul is saying like, no, listen guys, I am, I am truly a Hebrew. And then he says, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law and Pharisees, so he continues saying other things. So, so we see that the same soul is coming from the very important and very interesting family. He is a pastor's son. And even more than that, he's a teacher's son from Newbold. <laughs> huh? That's a high position. And I'm really glad that Daniel's here and, and Laura and a few pastors, sons and daughters here, including myself. And this is like, this is typical, this is typical of our story. And you'll hear it until the end. You'll probably be able to recognize this totally as, as being part of the, especially pastors, daughters and sons story. It says, it says here, it says in Philippians, he's like, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. And Saul is really that. 
He had a father who was a Pharisee. That means he was really high priest. You know, really high there. And then we see that he decides to follow the steps of his father. Okay? And then we find, about the age of 13, Saul decides to become Pharisee. And I once said, if you want to be Pharisee, you need to start a training with the age of 13. You will learn first five books of, of, of Bible by heart. You will be accepted if you're good. If you're not good, you'll probably go and learn your father's trade. And then, when you learn that, you learn 613 laws of Torah. And when you know all of this, maybe you can be a Pharisee. Maybe, maybe you can be a Pharisee. But Saul was so good that he was picked up by the best of the best. And his name was uh, Gamiel. And he was, the, he, was the, he was the teacher who is, whose teachings are even today being taught in, in, in the synagogues. So Saul was good. He had the best teacher. And definitely now at this point we can say one thing. Saul definitely, definitely knew Judaism. But he didn't know God. Saul definitely knew Judaism. But certainly didn't know God. And I'm sure this is a, there is a lesson for us to learn. For you and for me. Uh, for the youth of this church and for the, uh, for, the, for the children which come here every single Saturday, there is a lesson for us to learn here. You see, you know, I'm sure for you and me it is important to learn the, the morals and the basis of Christianity and Adventism. I think that is very important. Uh, and I believe it is also very important to pass these moral values to our young and youth of this church and also to us. I think this is very important. But if we do that and fail them, failed them to introduce them to Jesus Christ and God, we miserably fail. We miserably fail. You see, if our children grow up believing that, uh, that Adventism and the church and Christianity is actually about coming to church every single Saturday, if our youth and you and me actually lived and grow up in this culture that actually Christianity and Adventism is about, uh, about uh, uh, dressing properly, about standing up when everybody stands, sitting down when everybody sits, about learning the right prayers and learning the right songs, if you think that's Adventism and that's Christianity and, and that's what you're teaching your children and I'm teaching my youth, we are miserably failing as a, as a community. Because maybe this is a part of the story. But this is definitely not the whole story. Because there is so much in this. And the one thing I want you guys to, to tell you is this. The soul had one thing in his life and that is he had inherited religion. If you're asking, if you're asking yourself if you are asking yourself, do you have inherited religion? I ask myself, I have inherited religion. But I will tell you a story later on what happened with my religion. You see, Saul is the guy who had inherited religion. This is what happened to him. He was a son of the Pharisee, later on the Pharisee himself. And then he was working for God. And that is the second lesson we can draw out of this. Saul was a guy who loved so much God. He, he, that he was ready to do anything in his life to serve God. And Saul was really in God's business. Saul was really in God's business. And every single time Saul was going to do something he was doing for God. Because that's what he believed he can do. And this is the best way to serve him. And sometimes I, 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 can, I can, you know, and just look at his, his case. He goes to, the, he call, goes to the, 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 the high priest. He asks for the permission and he gets the permission. And he's now thinking, surely this must be a God's will. Because I'm going to go and destroy some, some followers of the way, okay? What's happening really is this. Saul has a religion and doesn't have a relationship with God. And Saul actually, actually works for God, not knowing that he's completely out of God's will. Do you know when I realized that my relationship with God is the lowest? 
when actually my life becomes so busy about church and everything else that I seem to have no time for real spirituality and, and, and developing the relationship with God myself. I don't know about you, but maybe you're finding yourself running around this church. You know, I'm just talking this now at the people who are here with us every single Saturday. Maybe you're finding yourself running in this church every single Saturday doing something, doing God's business, but actually not realizing maybe you and me are simply out of God's will. Can you imagine how shocking this must be for Saul? Okay, he's on the road to Damascus. He's like, all right, let me now catch some Christians because this is his hobby. He doesn't collect stamps. He catches followers of the way. Like, that's too much fun because stamps can't run away. But Christians can. And he was fit. So he believed that he was doing a God's business. He was like, let me do everything I can. And this is exactly what he's doing. And sometimes when I really was reading this text, I was able to hear and see myself. I was able to hear myself and see myself. I was in a God's business. I'm in a God's business. And then I can just see how God has been urging me. And maybe you find yourself that God has been urging you, calling you to come to Him. So you have, um, you have a, a you and me have taken the form of religion instead of trying to develop the relationship. Is it not so much easier for you and me? Come on, you know, we just need to come once a week to church. Instead of like, trying to develop the beautiful relationship of our God, with God and Savior, we come to church. Maybe just for Christmas and maybe for Easter, but just to let you know, Easter is coming soon. <laughs> is it not sometimes I can, easily, I can see, so easily see myself having religion but not having the relationship? And now we see how God simply you know, has to do something dramatic in his life. He says to do something dramatic in his life, and um, he, he says to Saul, Saul, hey, why, why are you prosecuting me? And he says, isn't it hard for you? It's hard for you to kick against goats. You see, in his desire to serve God, Saul, Saul was blinded by his zeal, blinded by his anger, blinded by his, by his hate. And on the road to Damascus, he, he finds himself on the back in the dust. And, 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 and he's like, and he, he, he seems, he seems, he's slowly realizing what is happening. He, he, he's on the back and he hears this voice saying, so, so, why are you prosecuting me? Uh, and, and he seems suddenly, so he's not anymore blinded by zeal and by hate and by... By, by, by just this, this, this um, anger towards Jesus, but he's now blinded by the light of Jesus Christ. A light of Jesus Christ, which I can say is definitely light of salvation. And God sometimes have to do something like this in our lives. Doesn't it? Reading the Bible, there are so many people who actually got, got in trouble with God this similar way. And then it seems that God, when he does something like this, he picks us up out of dust, dusts us off, and he says, that's the direction you need to go now. And this is exactly what happens to Saul. He falls down, God picks him up, dusts him off, and says, this is the direction you have to go. You see, this happens so often in our lives, at least in some of the lives. I told you that I'm, um, um, this is a very similar story for majority of the pastor's kids and people, and youth who grew up in the church. Some of you maybe even left the church because of that, because you inherited your religion. And you all your life wished that you can have just a simple faith of your grandparents, of your mother and father. 
and you just fought all your life and the time comes when you go to university and some of you guys will just move away from the homes and all you will have is you will just have this religion. And do you know what is the interesting thing? Even those who leave the church and go away, one day when you ask them, they never come to church anymore, and you ask them, you know, who are you and what you are, and they will tell you this, I am Adventist. I am Adventist. They will always be Adventist because they have religion. <laughs> but they have very little relationship, if any relationship with God. The reason that I'm telling you this story is very simple, is because I'm a pastor's son. <laughs> I am one of these who inherited religion. I can, I can probably guess that I was born in a second pew in a church, but my mother and father never wanted to admit that, okay? <laughs> that is how much I'm in the church. You see, I was born in the church, and I'm sure Daniel and Laura and many others here, who were, they were born in the church, we lived the lives, okay? We lived lives in church, we, uh, we were singing and doing every single program possible, okay? You've inherited. And then later on, I realized I lived all my life in church, and I'm even living today in a church. I'm wondering, is anything going to change? I realized that uh, actually I lived the religion of my mom and my dad, and certainly of my grandmother. And I was actually a somebody who simply just lived on that. And I remember that I had my experience on the road to Damascus, which is actually not to Damascus, but is about 44 miles away from here. I had opportunity for me to, for first time, try to develop what I missed in my life, and that is the relationship with Jesus Christ the person who I believe can save. I had a first time opportunity that I don't need to go to church. I had opportunity that I actually don't need to do this because I realized that I have religion, but I don't have a relationship. And then when something happened in my life, my dreams were crushed. I felt that God was not fair. I felt that God was brutal, harsh, and unloving. And I tried to do everything in my power to pull myself out of this hole of religion. To pull myself out of this hole of not believing, actually just living the religion. And then I realized I can't do this anymore. And I made a deal with God. Maybe that is how relationship starts. Maybe you and me just simply have to start talking to God and try to make the deals, if nothing else. And then I realized, I said, God, if you pull me out of this trouble, I will actually try, I will actually consider having a relationship with you. And actually, maybe I will go to church because I want to go to church. Even though I know that's maybe not the most important thing at this point. And this is what happened. Very much, it happened in the cabinet of home office. God pulled me out. He gave me what I didn't deserve, without any doubt. And... Later on, I was able to say, well, let's, let's start this. Let's try to have this relationship. And this is what happened to Saul. Saul's name carries a religion, but not fate. You see, being blind for Saul must be a tragic thing, and because it will be even tra in tragic today, Saul was blinded. He was thinking, what is happening? But then maybe if you look now from different perspective, we will see that this tragic event in his life actually pushed Saul to go on his knees, pushed Saul to think about something a little bit out of his box, to realize after all it happened that he actually found the God of love, God of forgiveness, somebody who would do the best things for Saul. And now the soul is in the back of the floor. And it seems that Saul was not to, to completely broken. It seems that the mashing didn't happen totally. 
but maybe just left him just that much of his pride and energy that he shouts back to God and he says, he says, who are you? And it seems that the question is a very much a personal question. Let us look. It's like, you know, if you get punched in the face, you're not going to ask, like, who are you? You're going to just jump and run away, okay? So, it's like, no, it's personal. So, it's like, who are you? And then Jesus says, he says, you know, so, you know, you know he says, so, so, why are you prosecuting me? Can you just imagine what a shock that must be for him? Because he believed. He believed that he served God and that he was in God's will. And the soul now is asking, who are you? And what he discovers is this. He discovers the God he doesn't know. He doesn't discover the God he knows. He's listening to his voice and he's thinking about my teacher. My teacher obviously didn't teach me about this God. He's lying there and listening to this voice. And he's thinking, well, the God I know is the God who created the universe, pushed everything to start working, and then left us by ourselves. The God he knows of the distant God. God who was not being part and who didn't have a relationship. So now he is there. He's thinking, who is this God? And then God really says, you know, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Who, who are prosecuting? And at the moment he hears this, you know what happens in his mind? Everything starts clicking. That was, you know, the bubble wrap sound for like a half an hour. Because so prosecuted people, Christians, the followers of the way. Every single time before he arrested somebody or he killed somebody, somebody would tell him that there was a Jesus of Nazareth who died for him. At this point, he's in the back and he's thinking, who is this God? I don't even know this God. And then he says, you know, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, who you are prosecuting. And he realizes that everything he heard from the followers of the way is the truth. He realizes, he realizes totally that Stephen was right. He remembers what Stephen told him, that the, the Messiah, the Jesus Christ, will come to this planet, die for our sins, so we can have eternal life. He remembers that he will be resurrected after three days. He remembers everything what he heard. <laughs> Maybe he didn't have all theology, but he certainly had a good picture that he had, um, he had found a God he was prosecuting and who this God was. And I believe this is the moment when Saul really gave his life to Christ. You're wondering why? Maybe not. But the next thing he says, you know, he says, what, what do you want me to do? He's like, you know what? I did the best in my knowledge, and I did things I wanted to do, but let me now do something for you. He gives his life to Jesus Christ, and he goes later on to give his life to the believer, to the believers in the Jesus Christ. On the way to Damascus, to destroy the way, he realized that the way he wanted to destroy was really the way. You see, I began telling you a story about the man, about the lady who came to Ireland to see the relatives. When she walked into a barn, she saw this little lamb, and and she said, "What happened?" And the farmer said, "Well, ah, oh, this little lamb, this little lamb has a bad tendency of running away. Every single time he ran away, he exposed himself, being killed." drowning himself or falling off the cliff. He says, many hours and many days I would go and search for him in order because I actually wanted to save him. He says, one day I had enough. 
and I broke his leg. You can just imagine the reaction because I saw your faces. And this lady's like, how could you do that? that that's really unloving. <laughs> that's really bad. And she said, well, you know what? And he actually said, well, let me tell a little bit more of the story. You see, yes, I broke his leg. I broke his leg because that is the only thing I was able to do for this land. He says, but you need to hear the rest of the story. The day I broke his leg, I actually mended it together, put the thing, right things around it, and then he couldn't walk. So I decided, well, you now it's time not only just to mend his leg, but now it's time to feed him and give him some water. So I spent day after day watching and caring about this land. I spent so much time with this land, I can probably tell you I spent more with this land than with, with any of my relatives here. He says, I spent so much time sitting next to this lamb, making him eat, because sometimes he didn't want to eat. Sometimes I was just sitting there and talking to him because I just felt lonely, because I forgot I had a family. He said, well, this is what happened. I need to make sure he is good. And he said, during, during these days, he found out that I truly want him good. And during these days, he learned my voice. He knew when I was talking to him. And then he said, you see this lamp? <laughs> Maybe he looks a little bit brutal. But you see this lamp now knows my voice. In the days to come, when I say something, he or she will go there. And this sheep will be the best sheep of all sheep. Because you listen to my voice. And when he listens to my voice, other sheep will follow this one. And the reason for that is because of yesterday. Because I broke his leg. Like. 